Optimal Bio podcast. At Optimal Bio, we don't just balance your hormones, we balance your whole body. Our conversations range from nutrition to medicine with an emphasis on wellness tips to support your health journey. If you like what you hear, find us on the web at OptimalBio.com and follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Optimal Bio's Wellness Podcast. Today, we're joined again by Johnny Moody, our provider in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, he's been now with us for you know eight or nine months, and hopefully his sanity is still intact, and he's been kind enough today to, to join us again um, to talk about a lot of different things. Um, you know, First and foremost, obviously, it's... Uh, Suicide Awareness Month, and um, you know we thought Johnny could you know shed some light onto that, and then we'll go into uh, hormones, talk about uh, thyroid and some other things today. So Johnny, welcome. Well, thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, having me on here today. Well, and as I said earlier, I assume you're still sane and everything's going pretty good. Everything's going fantastic, Charlotte's. Uh, we're we're staying pretty busy, meeting a lot of great people and uh, helping people uh, feel better in the community. So it's, it's, uh, it's a privilege. So in your previous uh, job compared to this job, you know, now that you've been here for a little bit while, a little bit of time, what has been uh, the biggest thing that you've noticed? Um, the, the biggest thing that I love, I'll say right away, is, that, is to teach the patient. Um, so I actually go through the uh, physiology and pathophysiology of hormones and kind of what happens in your body and what happens when it goes awry. And it's really fun to do that. It's fun to educate the patient so they know more about their body. And then they have a lot of questions about that. And um, they're kind of more with it. And that I think that allows them to advocate for themselves a lot more. I, I love that people can advocate for themselves because everyone's completely different, right? And so uh, what works for one person doesn't work for the other. And we we work it out together. It's a team. So I love it. It's great. It's fantastic. Well, as you love to teach, let's go through a little teaching session right now and assume that, you know, we have listeners out there that, you know, maybe contemplating a consult um, or they're just doing their own research on testosterone at this point in time. So why don't you kind of walk us through, you know, some of the things that you discuss and, and how you're you know, educating uh, the public. Yeah, so um, what we do is we, we set you down and we talk to you about, okay, what symptoms are you having? What's going on with you? You know, what brings you in? And, um, you know, after that, we'll, we'll kind of talk about, you know, what medications they may be taking and then kind of what's their goal? What are they wanting to get out of, of uh, hormone replacement therapy, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy? Um, and then I'll go through the actual physiology with them and tell them what their body does and what may or may, or may not be working optimally and then tell them how we can get them optimally. And I go through it all on a whiteboard and I show them all step by step what happens and, um, yeah, and it's just kind of a question and answer um, session after that. So we just really focus on that, on you for that for that thirty minutes. What are some of the biggest reasons why people are coming? What kind of symptoms um, are they experiencing? Yeah, mostly it's brain fog, fatigue, you know, a lot of stress and anxiety, depression, um, but mostly it's 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 those things right away. And then when you're walking through the physiology of the body, um, I know. You know, you kind of gave us a brief overview of a second or so ago, but explain to us in layman's detail how the body works. 
Okay. So we're talking about um, um, hormones. And so uh, the hormones are started in the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus is the center of the brain. And what that does, it releases gonadotrophin releasing hormone. And that hormone goes to the anterior pituitary. The anterior pituitary is kind of the gateway. And then the anterior pituitary releases luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone. Um, and in females, those two hormones act on the ovary to mature the follicle and make egg. And so once those um, luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormones are, are optimized, then the ovary will release the egg. And then um, that's how you release and that's how you make your testosterone estrogen through that process. And so in menopause, what will happen is you're getting the gonadotrophin releasing hormone to the anterior pituitary. Anterior pituitary is releasing follicle stimulating hormone. And follicle stimulating hormone is saying, hey, make egg, make egg, make egg. And you're no longer um, able to make that egg. And so the follicle stimulating hormone goes really high. And so then you'll start having hot flashes, night sweats, things of that nature. And then because you're not able to complete the process of making an egg, then you have an extremely low amount of testosterone and estrogen that's being produced. And so your estrogen and testosterone is low, and then that perpetuates those things. And so, you know, why is that important? And we can get into that a little bit later, but why is it important to have enough testosterone and estrogen, especially in menopause? And so when you're not able to make the egg, you're not able to have the testosterone and estrogen to optimal levels, and so your adrenal glands kind of take over and start making a little bit of estrogen. But there's three different types of estrogen. There's estrogen one, estrogen two, estrogen three. And the adrenal glands make more of estrogen one, E1. And E1 is just not optimal. It's just not nearly as strong and as good for your body as E2 and E3. When your body is making E2 and E3 prior to menopause, E2 and E3 vasodilate, so they dilate blood vessels, right? And so that's the main physiologic effect of both men and women with estrogen, E2 and E3, is that vasodilates, so it dilates the blood vessels, so you get more blood flow. So you get more blood flow to the brain, you get more blood flow to the bone, you get more blood flow to the, blood flow to the sex areas, and so that's what, ha that's what happens in menopause is you don't get that increase of blood flow, and so all those things kind of atrophy and you have those problems. So if you're not getting enough blood to the brain, you start having anxiety, depression, and those kind of things. Does that make sense? It does. And I'm just thinking as you're explaining it, if we turn the clock back 40 to 50 years earlier, uh, obviously, you know, females at some point in time no longer are, can produce. Um, and what was going on then compared to now? And why, why does it seem to be so much more uh, acute, I guess you could say now? Yeah. Yeah, prominent and, and more prevalent. And so, you know, unfortunately in our society these days, we have more of what's called xenoestrogens. Xenoestrogens are fake estrogens. And so even if your follicle stimulating hormone and your um, ovaries are producing eggs, when you produce estrogen that way, when estrogen binds to the to receptor of the, of the cells, it sends a signal back to the brain and says, hey, I've got enough estrogen. I've got enough testosterone. I don't need to make any more. What xenoestrogens do is they bind to those sites at a higher affinity, so they kind of block that process, and they send a signal back to your brain saying, hey, I've got plenty of estrogen and testosterone, when you really don't. And so we see those numbers plummet, even in younger and younger um, patients. I have, you know, 
20-something-year-old men who have really low testosterone levels, and it's you know because of xenoestrogens primarily. Now, what are xenoestrogens, though? Fake estrogens, right? And so, but what are they? So preservatives, plastics, pesticides, Roundup, those things. And those things, unfortunately, are in our water supply nowadays. PVC piping, we used to use copper and, and other metals for our, for our water supply. And we switched over to PVC because it's so much cheaper to make and it doesn't corrode as fast. You don't have to replace it as much. Um, but when your water is sitting in that PVC piping for a period of time and it gets warm like it is here in Charlotte, you know, eight months out of the year, then that water gets heated up and it releases those plastics into your water supply and actually binds to the to the water molecule. And that's where your xenoestrogens come from. A lot of them come from. Yeah, and unfortunately, there's really not anything we could do about it. Um, you know, you could probably you know build a house with a bunch of metal piping, but there's still going to be plastic piping coming from the street that's carrying your water. So, um, and I think there's some filters out there you can probably purchase and they're expensive, but I'm not even sure they take care of what you know, you're talking about. So when somebody's going through this, you know, it sounds to me like it's a physiology, physiological thing that's occurring that is actually causing the depression as opposed to, you know, the older thought of, you know, you just stop feeling sorry for yourself. You're just having a bad day. You know, it's more of a mental health issue as opposed to a physical issue. Is, is Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, if you look at it and you have, you know, xenoestrogens on board or your testosterone and estrogen levels are low, you're not getting that vasodilation. And so when you're not getting that vasodilation, you're not getting adequate blood flow to the brain. You're not getting adequate blood flow to the tissues. And so we've been talking a lot about estrogen but what does testosterone do? And so when you're making testosterone, testosterone's primary function, along with other things, is to uh, stimulate protein synthesis. And what does that mean? So it makes proteins, right? And so in your brain, you know, your brain has a lot of cholesterol, but in the brain specifically, the synapses, right? The synapses are proteins. And so if you don't have enough protein, if you're not synthesizing enough protein, you can't replace and regenerate the synapses fast enough to keep up with the degradation from whatever reason. And so the synapses in your brain are amino acids. Also serotonin, serotonin is made from tryptophan, which is an amino acid. So serotonin is a neurotransmitter that's the feel good um, neurotransmitter that you know has been linked with anxiety and depression. And if those levels are low, it's an amino acid. So if you've got enough testosterone on board to get your testosterone to optimal levels, then you're making more, te- you're making more uh, serotonin too. Does, does that make sense? It does, um, I think, but to me, because I've only been, because I've been hanging around you and, you know, Dr. Brandon and everybody else for a while, but is there any way we could dumb, dumb that down a little bit more and make it a little bit more simple for, you know, some of the people that are out there listening? Absolutely. So essentially you need enough estrogen to get more blood flow. Okay. You also need more testosterone to repair and regenerate tissue. So if you have both of those levels optimal, then you get enough vasodilation, you get more blood flow to the brain, to the bone. You know, what's the big thing with uh, menopause, osteoporosis? And so you get more blood flow to the bone. Pro, uh, um, testosterone increases osteoblasts, and so they osteoclast, and so that remodels the bone and produces bone. So if you get more estrogen, more testosterone together, 
vasodilation and protein synthesis, and you're able to repair and regenerate tissues and you age a lot more gracefully when those levels are normal or optimal. Got it. So turn the page a little bit and focus a little bit on PTSD um, since we treat a lot of military. Same kind of thing going on there as well? Yeah, very similar thing. And those, it's, that's you know, multifactorial. It could be a traumatic event that occurred that's triggering the PTSD. And essentially, that's a disruption in serotonin levels, right? So going back again to uh, serotonin being an amino acid, also dopamine. Dopamine is also an amino acid. And, um, and so you know, your testosterone levels are optimal. You can re- repair and replace those and, re- and, re- and produce those. Um, better than if you don't have those. And what's interesting, not only with PTSD, um, but with traumatic brain injury. Um, so, you know, traumatic brain injury is a, you know, traumatically induced um, structural injury and or a physiologic um, disruption of brain function as a result of, you know, a blast or a concussive uh, force. And so the brain actually gets kind of shaken around inside the skull. And obviously that's going to cause damage and so when that happens, um, you get inflammation and you also get damage. And so what's in there? Well, that's where your hypothalamus and pituitary are. And that's when we, we, we first started talking about the hypothalamus and pituitary pathway. And so when that gets bounced around like that, that's disrupted. And so when that's disrupted, then all your hormonal functions decline. And it's a significant problem. Actually, 30% of, of deaths that occur related to uh, traumatic events are um, because of, of, of that traumatic brain injuries. So then I remember talking to uh, a military patient a few years ago who was down in um, Southern Pines and we were sitting in the lobby and uh, he was obviously a, a patient, um, but he spent a lot of time, you know, treating and helping um, his fellow soldiers who were suffering from PTSD. And one of the things that struck me was he said, you know, before we can, you know, treat them, you know, mentally, um, we really have to fix the physiology of the body. Um, Absolutely. And he was drawing a link uh, to, to low testosterone being a, uh, uh, I guess you could say a detriment um, from, you know, Im- improving or getting rid of your PTSD symptoms. So again, from a very simple way, um, you know, if somebody's suffering from PTSD and we are treating them with testosterone. Again, what, what, once that testosterone is back up to a normal level, you know, what then happens in the body that then um, helps with the PTSD treatment? And so it goes back to the same, same pathophysiology and same physiology. When you've got enough testosterone, your testosterone is optimal, optimal levels between nine and 1200. You know, you're getting a whole lot more protein synthesis. And so PTSD, anxiety, depression, once again, those proteins are responsible for making those synapses work and, and actually do what it needs to do inside the brain. You've got to have those proteins. And if you're not able to regenerate and replenish those proteins because your testosterone levels are low, um, then that's detrimental to your, your prognosis. And if you get those levels back up to optimal levels, you just get so much more healing, so much more rapidly. And then that, obviously, with a combination of, of a counselor to talk to, you know, those patients get much better and they stay better. You being ex-military, do you think the military is, has picked up on this or are they still treating PTSD uh, the, in the conventional way that you kind of 
see on movies, TVs, read about it and whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little far removed from there. I've, I, I got out in the early 2000, so 2002. So uh, at that time, during my debriefing after I was deployed, it was pretty much, do you want to speak to a counselor or do you not? Um, and that was pretty much it. Um, and so at that time, there was no discussion about the you know HPG, HPA uh, axis um, in relation to testosterone, in relationship to the brain health. It wasn't even discussed. Now, obviously, that's been 20 years ago now, so I don't know if that's changed or not. But from my from my knowledge, I don't think it has changed very much. I think they're trying to change it, but there's just so much stigma around testosterone replacement therapy um, that it's still it's still not being uh, you know fully worked on. And so you know, bioidenticals is what we do, right? So bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. The testosterone we use is yam pellets. You know, it's yam. It's it's organic yam powder, and so that's what it is. And so we place that in, and your testosterone levels go up to those optimal levels, right? They go up to 900 to 1200, and they stay there for four to six months. And so you need that much time to repair, regenerate those synapses, and repair and, and replenish the serotonin and dopamine in your brain. You need that much time. And so that's what we do. Um, if you do an injection, it's a testosterone siphonase, usually an ester and oil. And so your body just has a hard time metabolizing that. And so that only lasts about a week, 10 days, sometimes two weeks, but you get this up and down, up and down effect. And what makes that so problematic is you get that up and down, up and down of testosterone, but you also get the up and down, up and down of the estrogen. Right. And so if your estrogen levels get too high for a male, we're talking about for a male, if they get too high, then you have some side effects that are not pleasant. Right. So you get you can have some bloating. You can have some more um, more anxiety and pressure in your level if your uh, estrogen levels get too high. And so that's why bioidentical hormone replacement therapy is by far superior in that. Um, the other other way to do that is, is is creams, but the creams don't get you to that nine nine hundred to twelve hundred level. They just don't get get you there, and that's every day. So you want to talk about going up and down? That's even you know more rapid, more frequent in a twenty four hour period, and that just it's just not been proven to be beneficial. All the studies that have been done so far using creams have not shown that it's been beneficial. Well, how do we, what about the bioidentical hormone compared to the synthetic testosterone? And that's what I was just talking about. So the, the, the cream is the synthetic. Yeah, I'm talking about the actual synthetic pellet. Oh, yeah. The synthetic pellet actually has, uh, I, 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 don't quote me on this, it has um, the capsule that's in it. It's, 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 a, it's a plastic. It's a form of plastic. And so it's just not good for your body. Completely not good for your body. Yeah, and I think there's another ingredient that's in there too that I think the FDA has banned um, because it can't be on your skin, but when you're doing, yeah. when you're doing the placement, you have to, yeah. you have to insert the that. Underneath. Says it's safe to, to put it on your skin, but you can't, you, yeah, right. Uh, you can't even put it on your skin, but you can put it inside your body. That's yeah. But you gotta, I mean, I mean, why don't you walk us through how you place these pellets? And so what we do is, uh, we make a, a we, we numb the area, we clean the area, numb the area with lidocaine. And then we make a tiny incision, like maybe about a three millimeter incision. And then we use a, a metal trocar, a little straw, and we put it in there. So that way, if you use the straw, Dr. Brandon came up with this um, placement technique over you know decades of practice. And when you use that straw, the pellets are actually out here. And the incision is here. 
So the the rate of pellet expulsion, a pellet coming out or losing a pellet, is less than one percent. And so it's 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 a far superior method. And so we we do that, and then we use stereo strips or glue, and then we uh, put a tegaderm on top of that, and then ice on top of that. And so it's a it's a it's a very thorough process, very carefully done, and our rate of success is extremely high. Like I said, we lose less than one percent of pellets. So no stitches. No stitches. And from start to finish, we're what, 15 minutes? Well, for the procedure, maybe two or three minutes. It takes longer to, to wait for you to get numb than it actually does to put the pellets in. So it's extremely, right. extremely easy. I mean, obviously none of us can see the pellets when you know, they're being put in because um, we don't have eyes in the back of our head. However, it's amazing to me when I'm talking to other people who have interest in you know coming in, they're like, they're scared because... They think the pellet is the size of a rock or something. So can you describe how big the actual pellet is? Yeah, the pellets are about the size of uh, a grain of rice. Um, the guys' pellets are just a, t- just a hair bigger than that, but they're really small. And so, you know, gentlemen get a little bit more pellets than women do. Um, the women get one tiny little pellet and then maybe a little piece of another. It's, it's very small. I mean, the whole thing is very tiny. Yeah, and the average placement for a male, what, is about 10 pellets, 12 pellets? About 10 pellets is average, yep. So it might be sore for th- three or four days, but after that, it's good to go. Well, I will say, you know, I was under the old technique um, that Dr. Brandon used to place, uh, and then he discovered a new technique. You've all been trained on it at Optimal Bio, and the old days, you would, you know, feel like there would be a little bit of a, a bump, um, and you'd be uncomfortable still could lead your life and do everything you wanted to do. But, you know, four or five days, you know, post-treatment, you were probably fine with this new technique um, that he started a few years ago. I mean, literally, you know, the next day, um, you don't even know, you know, once you take the bandages off, you don't even know it's there. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's a great process. And Dr. Brandon has been doing it for, like I said, decades. And over time, that's that's kind of evolved into to perfection to where it is now. And um, I, I have, of, of all, you know, complaints or anything, that's never one of them. It's, it's an easy process. Okay, so let's go back. Um, just again, talk about, you know, some of the um, uh, positives of being on testosterone. Um, you talk a lot about these proteins. And the without the proper amount of protein in your body, um, obviously there's, you know, less bone density, less muscle mass. Um, but what are some of the other things that I think people kind of tend to shrug off, you know, at times as not being that important? I mean, can, without these proteins, can one get, you know, let's say more annoying colds, for example, or, you know, there's going to be skin issues. Are there going to be other things that, um, you know, people might chalk up to old age or just, you know, stress of life, you know, that maybe if you really looked into it, uh, could be tied back to low testosterone. Yeah, well, I mean, look at look at your body. I mean, it's it's primarily a bunch of proteins, right? So your hair, skin, nails, right? Hair, skin, nails, uh, proteins, bones, proteins, ligaments, tendons, and so you know, think about it this way: when you were seven or eight, you rolled your ankle. You know, you're out for you know, maybe two days, two or three days, and you're up ready to go, right? Do that now at my age of, you know, 46, and I'm out, you know, for, for, for three or four weeks, right? And so 
That's why testosterone replacement is so important is because that rate of regeneration is so much faster. And so, um, you know, rolling my ankle now is not as big of a deal as it was last year before I was on pellets. Um, But you get that vasodilation with the good estrogen with E2. So you get that vasodilation, get more blood flow, and then you get the testosterone with the protein synthesis. So it synthesizes proteins and that blood flow takes the proteins to where it needs to go. And so hair, skin, nails, but also, you know, brain fog, libido, um, you know, you pretty much name it. If your body's trying to fight something, it needs proteins and it needs blood flow. How do you regenerate anything? How do you repair anything? It's blood flow, blood flow, nutrients and proteins. And that's what the hormone replacement therapy provides for your body. So with the exclusion of me, do you have people coming in thinking that uh, males in particular, that um, if they get testosterone, if they're bald, for example, they'll start growing hair again? And if you do have those, how do you explain that that's not going to happen? Well, um, so testosterone is actually metabolized into, into either more estrogen or dihydrotestosterone, okay? And so when testosterone is broken down into dihydrotestosterone, DHT is actually 10 times more potent than testosterone, so it's really important. However, if it gets really high, if it gets too high, it has a high affinity to bind to the hair follicles here and here. Here it turns them on, so it turns on the the growth of the beard, um, the growth of the hair of the the body, but up here it turns it off, and so you get a receding airline if the DHT levels are too high. But there's natural ways to kind of prevent that. If somebody is anxious or have some reservations about testosterone replacement therapy and losing hair, salt palmetto, 320 milligrams of salt palmetto, it's a palmetto plant. That blocks DHT levels by about 20 to 30% you know, just in itself. And there's other things you can do too. Um, but if, if, if you're worried about those things, then um, there's ways that we can, we can fix them with plants. Yeah. I mean, all the patients that I know of that, that come um, that have had hair, they still have hair, you know, after a couple of years. Uh, yeah. Then there's people like me that didn't have it and I still don't have it. But to your point, you know, <laughs> I have to shave more often now and um, which is kind of an annoying thing. Um, so, Let's go back when we talked a little bit about the placement process before um, coming into the fattier part of your backside or maybe above mm-hmm. your hip a little bit. Um, in detail, and again, very simply, how does the body metabolize the testosterone? Because it, it's sitting there in that fat part, right? So yeah. blood flow is going yeah. through there and it's taking it. But you know, why are the pellets then so stable and more effective than you know, the ups and downs in the shot. Cause I'm thinking if I got a shot, um, it's in my bloodstream, I'm, I'm ready to go and I don't need to, you know, wait for these pellets to basically dissolve in your body. So kind of walk us through that. Yeah, so what we try to do or what we what we do do with uh, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy is we use, like I said, yam powder and it's organic yam powder, but it's it's coated in steric acid, which is cholesterol. And so when, when you have it underneath your skin, the goal of hormone replacement therapy is to mimic what your body does already. And that's endogenous inside your body. And so when you use the, the, the yam pellets that we use, it's more like an endogenous source of testosterone. So what that means, what does that mean? And so the pellets dissolve slowly over time, 
once they're in there, just like what your body produces. Your body produces about one to two uh, milligrams of testosterone a day, and that's about what the pellets do. And so we mimic, we try to mimic exactly what your body does. And when you're doing the injections, like I said before, you do an injection and, and then it just shoots way up too high, actually you do dangerously level high, and then it kind of cr- comes crashing down with the bioidentical hormone replacement with the pellets. They come up gradually, go up to about four weeks, plateau at about four weeks, and maintain that level to about four to six months. And so it just it just dissolves slowly over time. And whereas the shot's going right into your bloodstream, and so then the body what uh, expels that faster. Yeah, and it tries to, you know, kind of metabolize that, and it's an oil, so it's harder to metabolize. And so you get, when you have uh, a synthetic testosterone, or estrogen for that matter, then the the way that it's metabolized, it's harder for your body and you get more side effects. And so also, like I said, you're getting that, that jump and then decline, the jump and decline, but you're also, estrogen is chasing that. And so all this stuff is just kind of off whack and you, it's really, really hard, almost impossible with injections and creams to get you plateaued. Interesting. All right. So we talked about depression. Um, we've talked about anxiety and let's talk about some of the, uh, you know, lack of bone mass, lack of muscle mass, um, fatigue. Let's let's cover, let's, uh, let's cover energy and fatigue at this point in time. So again, um, people coming in, they're tired, they're run down, you know, there could be a mom, you know, that's, you know, late forties, you know, is a chauffeur, you know, two or three or four kids. She's a soccer mom. She's maybe working also, you know, on top of that, you know, she's got a full-time job. She's married. She's got a husband. She's, I mean, she's Wonder Woman, right? She has a million things she's doing all day long and barely has time to, you know, feed, you know, the family at night, if that's her responsibility and, or, you know, for that matter, sleep. And of course, everybody loves her downtime, um, or you can read or watch TV or whatever. So how do you, you know, so you're going through this life and you're just, you're crazy. And a conventional doctor would say, Hey, you just need to slow down. You know, you need to, you know, carpool your kids or you need to quit your job or you need to, you know, tell your husband to cook or whatever, you know, you know, the directive is of life. Um, but you know, from, a coming in from a, you know, hormone replacement, uh, BHRT, you know, treating a testosterone, you know, what are some of the things that, you know, a, a patient that I just, that I just described, you would notice being on testosterone. Yeah. And that's why it's so important that, that she needs to be on testosterone. Testosterone is actually broken down into estrogen. So you have to have testosterone to make estrogen. And so she, she needs that. Right. And so, you know, you hear some stuff from traditional medicine say women shouldn't be on testosterone replacement therapy. Well, absolutely should. That's where their estrogen comes from. And so, um, when those levels decline, um, you know, being super busy, super stressed, all those kind of things can, can kind of really wreck, um, your hormones. Um, and that's why getting you up to optimal levels, you know, in the 1930s, uh, women were between 90 and about two to 300. That's where they were. That's where they stayed. Um, now, in, a, in the last about 2020, the level is five to about 50. And so you take the highest woman today at 50 and, you know, she didn't, she's not even half of where she was in the 1930s, which was 90. 
And so the xenoestrogens is really wreaking havoc on our on our hormones. And then also being that busy. Can you imagine being that busy um, without any hormones? I mean, it just must be excruciating. And then obviously we've talked about anxiety, depression and, and those kinds of things, but insomnia. So testosterone keeps you asleep. Right. And so if your testosterone levels are not optimal, you're not going to sleep. You're just not going to sleep well. Plus, you're thinking about the next day. You just can't turn it off. All these things that are going on cognitively can be tremendously uh, helped or erased or eradicated if you've got enough blood flow, the estrogen, and enough testosterone to repair and regenerate uh, the synapses in the brain. So let's look at a male, and we hear these phrases, um, not from me, of course, because I never label anybody, <laughs> um, skinny fat, you know, where... You know, that's me. Come on, man. <laughs> somebody um, just has nice. no no muscle mass whatsoever. They're thin except for one area. They're just they're carrying yeah. um, you know some weight in the midsection. Um, yeah. You know, is that a, is that a symptom of low testosterone as well? Absolutely. It's a, it's a big symptom in males, uh, males and females. Um, you know, not only do you get the increase of protein synthesis, so you can make protein and repair and regenerate and and get more muscle mass. Um, but you know, you just you really have insulin uh, desensitivity. You know, the insulin um, when you when you eat sugar, carbohydrates, right? You get this influx of insulin, right? And if you do that every now and then, you go out and have that, then that's okay. You get this influx of insulin because you need insulin to bind to the sugar to take it into the tissue to work. Um, and so when you eat something sweet, you get this rush of insulin. And you need, it takes the sugar in. But if you do this too often, you get this blast of sugar and blast of insulin too often, the receptors that actually say, hey, that's insulin, it needs to come into um, the, the tissue, they get desensitized over time. And so what testosterone, what's remarkable, another thing about testosterone, not only does it increase protein synthesis, but it also helps synthesize the insulin so it can come into the cell and work more efficiently. And so you lose weight uh, or lose fat. And so it's a body composition change. And so you get more muscle mass and you lose less and you lose more fat. And so not really weight loss per se, because muscle mass weighs a lot more than, than fat mass does, but a, a reconstitution of the body is, is what testosterone does. It's really important. But let's be clear, just getting testosterone is not going to change that, that, that skinny fat look, right? You still have to go out and do the work. You still have to start working out. But once your levels are back up to what they should be in, um, in regard to testosterone, estrogen, what have you, then you feel more motivated and you feel better when you're working out. Absolutely. You just hit the hammer on you. That's perfect. Absolutely. You've got to put in the work. But, you know, I think the, the, the biggest uh, sore spot for a lot of people is that they're actually putting in work and they're actually doing stuff and they're not seeing any changes. And so that's why the testosterone optimization, estrogen optimization is so important. So now we got, so we got the skinny fat look and then we, then we have the traditional, you know, 50 to 65 year old dad bod, right? Which yeah. may not be skinny fat because maybe they got a little muscle on their shoulders and arms still, but they're also, you know, carrying that weight in their midsection. Um, what do we do about that? Well, you know, optimizing your hormone level <laughs> and then getting after it. <laughs> you just gotta, you just gotta work, man. You gotta work. So diet is obviously important. There's nothing more important than, than diet and exercise. And so if you diet and exercise and you're still not seeing the benefits of where you want to be or whatever your goals are, then you're, you, you've got to get your um, hormones optimized. You got to get it. Any other body types you see? Pear, pear body type. 
All right, explain that one. And that's when you're, you know, kind of narrow on top and, and wider at the bottom. And that goes along with hormones, too. Anything else that you're seeing that, uh, you know, if just from a societal, from talking to patients, from, you know, treating military, female, male, whatever, you know, that you think is important that we bring up today? Well, it's just, you know, the lifestyle that we're living these days is just so difficult. You're trying to do so many things that, one, you've got to kind of pause at some point and say, you know, if I don't take care of myself, then really nothing else matters. And so you've got to kind of stop and pause and assess yourself and say, okay, what do I need to do? And that's when you need to say, well, I have this and this going on. Is it hormone related? Come in and talk to us. Let's get you, let's get an assessment. Let's see where you're at, see where your levels are and see how we can help you get to where you need to go. And then that way you can be a lot more fruitful, have a lot more energy um, and kind of complete all the boxes and get everything that you need to be done, done. Just like the, the woman who's a soccer mom and doing all these kinds of things, you know, she needs help. We're here to help you. And when you're talking to doing some consults and you're talking to potentially new patients, um, yeah, are, do you ask them, you know, what their thoughts are, what their thoughts were about testosterone treatment compared to what they are, you know, after they've spoken with you? Yeah. Do you have any stigmas, any reservations? And, you know, nine times out of 10 for women, it's, 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 um, you know, breast cancer risk. What's the breast cancer risk? Is this going to increase breast cancer? Absolutely not. Bioidentical hormone replacements therapy is not going to increase breast cancer risk. Um, It's actually been shown that that was synthetics and that was synthetic progestin. Um, So it's absolutely not bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. We would never use anything synthetic for hormones. Um, for men, it's, you know, it's more of a, you know, heart problems, right? What about, what about uh, this and heart? Bioidentical hormone replacement does not, um, does not cause heart disease. It actually improves your cholesterol profile. Um, once again, I can't say this enough, but you get enough estrogen and testosterone. The estrogen vasodilates. And when you dilate blood vessels, you get decreased blood pressure, you get decreased stroke risk, decreased chances of myocardial infarction, all the or heart attacks. And so all that stuff is extremely beneficial, not only right now, but long term. And so that's what we talk about in our consults. Yeah. And it, it, I remember going to see my doctor, you know, four or five years ago about this. And, um, you know, I, he didn't really, he heard about it, but he wasn't really, didn't really know much about it. And that's a whole other podcast. But I said to him, hey, if this was 1979 um, or 1980, and at my age, I, my, you tested my testosterone out of the blue and I was at a thousand um, compared to today where I'm at 300. Um, would I be any less healthy, you know, or more at risk for heart attack at a thousand than I am today, let's say at 300? I think I said that the right way. And he said, no, absolutely not. And I I do think that there is a, you know, a big, if you look at all the data out there, um, you know, heart disease is still number one. It's been number one forever, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, we had a lot less smoking now than we did back then. So one could argue that back then smoking caused a lot of the heart attacks, you know, today, you know, obviously there's an assault on cholesterol, uh, which is a vital, uh, nutrient you need for your body. And, um, but you kind of wonder, you know, is, is this low testosterone or these medications that people are on, are they causing the, the inevitable, you know, heart attack down the road. And, um, 
Uh, but when he told me that, though, you know, I, because you don't really know what your levels are until you get tested. So, you know, there are some people out there that could be walking around with a thousand right now. And it doesn't mean that they're um, probably means that they're going to be obviously healthier, but it doesn't mean that uh, because they're walking around at a thousand, they're more susceptible to a heart attack. Yeah, no, it's actually the opposite. And so the VA did a study some number a number of years ago then and studied X amount of uh, military veterans and found that the testosterone levels around 350 or below, they had a, a tremendous like four or five fold increase of all cause mortality than the ones that were over that level. And so that's completely false. It's the opposite. And so if you were a thousand back then and now you're floating around 300, you absolutely it's detrimental to your to your body and to your livelihood that you actually get that replaced. Do you want to talk about cholesterol? Yeah, cholesterol, you know, so, what, you know, testosterone, estrogen, we've been talking about that progesterone. Um, what are all what 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 are they made of? They're made out of cholesterol. You have to have enough cholesterol in order to make enough testosterone and estrogen and progesterone. That's what they are. And so there it's the precursor. It's the it's the it's the foundation of your hormones, cholesterol. And so extremely important, extremely important that you don't get too low. So then if you're, quote unquote, considered. If you have high cholesterol, for example, based on what the labs say you have, um, obviously the goal is to reduce cholesterol through diet, through whatever. And in effect, that has a that's actually hurting you more than it's helping you is just based on what you said a second yeah. ago. Absolutely. It's a building block of your hormones is cholesterol. And so when you lower your cholesterol um, significantly, then you're going to significantly reduce your testosterone and estrogen levels. It's just inevitable that you do that. And so what we found in, in the last few years is that it's not actually the cholesterol levels, it's the actual particulates and how they, they're kind of splattered apart, if you, if you will. And so um, it's really carbohydrates that kind of act on the cholesterol and splatter it. And that's what makes things kind of placky and stick to the arteries. And so it's not the cholesterol level, it's the activity in relationship to carbohydrates. And so actually it's the carbohydrates that are causing the problem much more than, than, than cholesterol levels. And basically that's translated to just too many carbs, too much sugar in your diet, which yeah, and to, to, make, to be specific, it's simple carbs, the sugar, mm -hmm. right? And so simple sugars, you know, obviously good good carbohydrates you need, um, you know, plants and vegetables. But uh, we're talking about simple carbohydrates, sugars, you know, processed foods and those things. And that's what's causing the problem. And that will come to light. We already know about diabetes, but it'll, it'll come to light for heart disease, too. It's just going to take some time, unfortunately. But we're already ahead of the game on that. Does it kind of act like a cement to the cholesterol where it just sticks when it gets splattered? Yeah, it just it's, it kind of splatters it. And then that's what kind of sticks to it. And so, yeah, it kind of makes it like concrete on the side of the, of the wall is how I have uh, understand Got it. it. And so... You know, it's it's just extremely detrimental that you stay away from simple carbohydrates. Good. Sugar. Any takeaways you want to leave with our audience tonight? Yeah, just if you're thinking about hormone replacement therapy, do your own research. You know, don't take my word for it. Do all the research, uh, research bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. And if you start having questions, you're, ha you're having symptoms of anxiety, depression. Uh, if you have a history of PTSD, if you just don't have enough energy, your libido is in the tank. These, these symptoms, do your research first. Look at bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. And once you do some research, then contact us and we'll get you in the right way. And we'll, we'll, we'll fix you up. We'll get you hooked up. Um, and then also, this month is uh, Suicide Awareness Month. 
And so if, if you know anyone that's out there that's having suicidal ideations or you or yourself are having them, um, you can just text 988 on any cell phone and it'll get you squared away with somebody who's ready to help you immediately. And so don't hesitate to do that. Again, that's text 988. It's that simple. That's simple. Excellent. Johnny, as always, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. And uh, thank you for um, enlightening our audience on all the good things that you're doing and educating us again on testosterone and keeping it as simple as possible today. So, Thanks, Jim. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I look forward it. to seeing you soon. And uh, thanks again. This has been a production of Optimal Bio. Optimal Bio is CEO Tyler Brannon, podcast host and partner Jim Baker, medical director Greg Brannon, production assistance by Core Media, Beth Grabencourt, administrator, Kevin Duthu, executive producer. The podcast can be found on our website, optimalbio.com, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Our theme song is Sunwave by Paradiso, provided by Epidemic Sound. Epidemic Sound.